Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. I'm joined, as always, or as usual, by Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman. Uh, Miles, you were away last week, uh, but we've sorted out the the modem issue at your house, and, and you're back with us. Glad to have you back. Oh, great to be back. On this episode, guys, we'll be discussing the Panthers' premiership credentials. Are they the real deal? Also, I've gone out on a limb to announce former Panthers coach Anthony Griffin as an excellent choice to coach the Dragons. And I'm unsure if uh, Kieran and Miles will agree with me, so let's get straight into it. And of course, a quick shout out to our listeners in Michigan in the USA. We hope you're enjoying the show. And of course, to our friend of the podcast, Owen. Now, guys, let's get into our bold prediction for round 17. And uh, I'm very excited about this week because I finally have one right. Uh, I predicted that two Queensland teams would win this weekend. And the Titans defeated the Bulldogs 18-14, and the Cowboys got it done against the Dragons in Golden Point 23-22. So that is a tick for me. Miles, your bold prediction was that Sonny Bill Williams will run for 50 metres or less on his return to the NRL. Uh, how'd that go for you? Well, it went well. He did. He, he ran for not even half of that, I think about 23 metres. So, uh, look, I, I don't want to make a habit out of it. Um, uh, keep, stay tuned for that. But um, <laughs> I, I thought it was pretty safe to, to bet against Sonny last week. He hasn't played in the NRL in six years. So I, I didn't think that, even if he was ready, I didn't think Trent Robinson was going to probably let him have all that many minutes. So that was the case. Yeah, actually, well, uh, you said you didn't get the chance to um, hear the podcast because of your internet and the transcript hasn't been sent in the mail yet. So I was actually teetering <laughs> On, uh, on predicting that SBW would uh, play 15 minutes or less, and he played 13, so I would have been right with that one too. So can I take two bold predictions for this week? I'm going to take it. Kieran, <laughs> uh, you had just the one that Blake Ferguson will break his try-scoring drought this weekend, and of course, he did. Yeah, he did. He almost stuffed it with uh, Mitch Moses putting a grubber kick in like the 10th minute, and he definitely should have scored. So he could have had two in this game, but... He finally got his, his first try of the season, and as the commentators said as he when he received the ball, there was no way he was passing it, and he uh, stormed away for his first try of the year. So to all of our very valued listeners, this is the first time that we have all had our ball predictions correct. I'm very excited. Uh, it may also be the last, though, so enjoy it <laughs> while we can. Uh, we, hey, Bo. Speaking, sorry, go on. I uh, I just want to flag here that I, I feel like uh, this is uh, maybe it may have been the rugby league gods punishing Blake Ferguson up to this point for celebrating with a backflip his first drive of the season, which was taken away, of course. So <laughs> maybe uh, the, the rugby league gods and, and Artie Beetson and all the past immortals have, have been punishing Blake for this year for, for that indiscretion. Dally Messenger is a known hater of backflips on non-tries. Uh, so <laughs> uh, I think you could be onto something there. Speaking of, uh, by the way, our our listeners that tune in, thank you very much to all of those. We actually have uh, someone something in the mailbag from Jono who sent a question into our Gmail account, which is above the horizontal NRL at gmail.com. Thanks for that, Jono. Jono has asked a pretty simple question. Will the Panthers win the comp? Now, uh, he's not asking, can they win the comp? Because as they sit outright first with 12 wins in a row, I think it's very apparent that they can win the comp. And anyone inside the top four can win the comp. Anyone inside the top eight can win the comp, technically. So, they can win, but boys, will they? I'm going to go to you first, Kieran. Do you think the Panthers will win the comp, or do you still have someone else in front of them? Um... Look, I've got a few notes on this. I guess I'll I'll start off with my um, summarization or what or summation. Sorry, um, straight away. I, I think the Storm are the the best prime team to win the competition this year. I've been ultra impressed with them the last three months. Um, uh, I yeah, I can't go past the Storm um, just due to the quality of their squad. I don't believe that the Panthers can best them in the um, in the grand final if they're both there on the in the big dance. Um, if you do flash back to the 2015 Cowboys, however, you have the Panthers at the moment this year. If we, sorry, just revert back to this season first, they're on a 12-game winning streak, and the Cowboys in 2015 
won 11 in a row on the way to their premiership. And the next year, the Sharks won 15 in a row, and they ended up winning the premiership. And then the Storm, the year later, um, they ended up winning 10 in a row. And that last game, that that 10th win was the grand final win. Um, and the Panthers, as I just said, are, are on a 12-game winning streak, tracing all the way back to a round six win over the Melbourne Storm, the team that I just said would win the premiership, or at least are the best prime to. Um, their last big test before the regular season ends comes against the only team to beat them this season in the Eels this weekend. If they can win that match this weekend, the minor premiership is definitely all but theirs. Um, for mine, they are the best momentum side. Yes, even better than the Roosters in this area. When they when they start to get into their groove, there's almost no stopping them. And I believe this was best showcased in their first half blitz of the Canberra Raiders game a month ago now. Um, I tend to agree with Ben Eichen, um on, I believe his show is NRL 360. I don't really watch it. Um, but he believes age will count against the Panthers with the second youngest side in the competition with an average age of 24. Uh, their house partnership of Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary are 23 and 22, respectively. Um, and whilst they're both in career best form, and I do believe if you're good enough, you're old enough um, even to win a premiership, I just, um, looking at the quality of the competition, I think even the Roosters are probably in a better position to three-peat than um, the Panthers to win. A lot of good points there, Miles. Uh, where do you sit on this one? Will the Panthers win the comp? Well, I love the... Uh the research that uh, Kieran had done there, particularly <laughs> pertaining to the the win streaks, and so I've got some some history of my own here. Uh, it's look, it's a tough field, there's no doubt, and I've I've done a little bit of digging. And 2013 was the last time a, a team who didn't qualify for the previous year's finals won the premiership. That was the Roosters, of course, beating the the Seagulls that year. So. It's a, it's a high stand and it's a hard thing to do to go from outside the top eight one year to not only in it the next, but winning the premiership. And, and look, I, I don't like kind of dealing with absolutes. Uh, sorry, Jono. So I'm going to try and split this into why they will and why they won't. And look, I, I think they can because they are clearly the hottest team in the NRL and they have probably a more seasoned roster than people would would first think. Obviously, they've got James Tamo, who's played in a lot of big games in his career, and and Josh Mansour as well. But also Nathan Cleary, who who maybe wasn't um, at his absolute best in his State of Origin games, but has, has still at least faced that cauldron. And of course, mm-hmm. James Fisher Harris, who has played uh, some tests for New Zealand as well. So, and that's of course in addition to all the, uh, uh, the other players like, <clears throat> excuse me, like uh, Jerome Luai, who's played for for his his own. Uh, nation of her heritage and, and, and things of these sorts. So they probably are a little bit more experienced in that big game variety than people would realise. But uh, look, what, what I think will trip them up this year is, is probably, of course, apart from injuries, is the experience of their fellow contenders. Uh, so I, I th- obviously you've got the, the Roosters and Storm, and I think bookmakers would probably certainly see at least one of those teams in the grand final. Obviously, both have won premierships in the, the past uh, three or four years. And uh, also, with with the potential to end the season, that, that top four and that, that prime real estate to make the grand finals, the Raiders, of course, who were the runners-up last year. So, look, it, it's a tough field, and there is that working against the, the Panthers and also a little bit of history in that it's it's been almost a decade since a, a team did what they're doing this year. So... Look, to come down one way or the other, I would have to say that for me, it would be either the, for sure at least, I think it's going to be a Panthers Storm Grand Final. And I wouldn't be surprised seeing Nathan Cleary kick a field goal to win that one for the Panthers. So I'm going to say they will win the Grand Final. Oh, there you go. Very interesting. Uh, I loved that little... I love both your stats, to be honest, and uh, there's omens just dropping out of all of them, and, and one of one of the omens that I really like is that Roosters one in 2013 that you mentioned, Miles, because, as you say, the Panthers would have to come from outside the eight to win the premiership. They're in a pretty good position to do so. The Roosters in 2013 were also minor premiers, which the Panthers are extremely likely to be with only a few rounds left. Um, you know, they'd have to beat the Sea Eagles in the grand final, where... No, wait, that won't happen. Um, but um, <laughs> apart from that, uh, look, I, I tend to agree with the idea that 
they're certainly entering a premiership window. And to say that they can't win it is quite absurd, I think. Like, the Tigers of 2005 are probably a pretty good um, waypoint for trying to work out whether the Panthers can do this or not. The Tigers in 2005 were, like, fourth um, after the regular season. They stormed through the the finals, especially flogging the Cowboys in the first round of the finals, and then also the grand final. I remember that acutely. Um, (laughs) But I, I think their style of play... Or maybe not the style of play, but the exuberance of the play, um, and and the, and the enthusiasm, and also the the general experience level of the players was was pretty similar to what the Panthers are producing this year. And uh, I can just I can kind of just sort of feel it. So um, if I had to fall down like, like you, Miles, on one side or the other, I'm actually going to go with the Roosters. I think the Roosters are still in this. I, I think. They've got their best players coming back onto the park at the right time of the year, and I think we haven't seen the best of them. So, so Jono, that is a no from Kieran. It's a no from me. It's a yes from Miles. But I think all of us are very much of the opinion that if they don't win it this year, they are certainly in a window, and it, and it could be, if not now, then when, because they're they're right around the corner. And, and thank you so much, Jono, for your question. Uh, if anyone else wants to ask us a question, you can contact us on Facebook at Above the Horizontal, on Twitter, which our handle is at Horizontal Above, or of course, like Jono did, send us an email above the horizontal NRL at gmail.com. Now, gentlemen, let's head into the Above the Horizontal Awards for round 17. I'll start us off with the best match. Uh, and as a Cowboys fan, it was pretty tempting to go for that match, but I'm going to go for the Rabbitohs and the Storm, which was a game full of skill and semi-final intensity, which uh, has me, like, you know, it felt like September, kind of, you know, in a weird kind of way in this post-COVID world. Uh, and I do think the Rabbitohs, while they're probably not really in the running for a premiership, will cause some headaches in October if they continue to play like that. Miles, what was your best match of the round? Well, I'll, I'll add, Bo, that it was September. So there is what I mean, like, but it felt like, you know, September football, you know, like, like, like we, we think of September football, meaning finals uh, and at the moment it's like round 17. So, you know, uh, what was your best match? (laughs) Um, I am going to pick up that dragons Cowboys game that you mentioned and run with it. Uh, the game for me had that feel of two teams that have been on the improve of late, in my opinion, at least, uh, not sure how you guys feel about that. Um, who I'm sure they feel a lot better about themselves than they did earlier in the season. And it, I think it would be would have been a welcome sign, again, you guys can tell me, for, for both sets of fans to see their team fight hard, even despite the uh, the perhaps not so great competition. And um, uh, yeah, as I, as I said, I'm sure you guys can vouch for that. But uh, that was a really entertaining game for me. I, I love to see a field goal decide a game. Even in Golden Point, and uh, it was a good moment, but more on that later. Kieran, what was your best match? <laughs> um, I had a, a different game as well, so that kind of just showcased how good the, the footy was this weekend. I had the Warriors versus Eels in a, a to-and-fro match on a Sunday afternoon. The Warriors were gallant in their efforts for their last season push, late season push, sorry. It's not their, their last chance, I don't believe, to make the finals in a match that was just a brilliant exhibition of attacking rugby league. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving what the Warriors are putting down. And uh, with Todd Payton heading to the Cowboys next year, I'm very excited. Best moment of the round, as I just pretty much dropped. Um, I dropped it maybe even, maybe slightly less good than Val Holmes did onto his boot to sink the Dragons <laughs> in Golden Point. A classy player who rose to the occasion, Val Holmes, uh, and well done to him. And well done to the Cowboys ending that, I think it was nine losses in a row. It was yeah. pretty bad. Uh, so nice to get a win there. Kieran, was that also your best moment? Uh, no, it was a, a great moment and on my birthday, actually. So that just made it even Happy better. Birthday. But thank Happy you. Birthday. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Um, I had the Tigers fan yelling advice at Adam Dewey for his conversion <laughs> against the Seagulls. Yeah, so yelling that he had to compensate, compensate for pointing the ball to the right and needed to kick it, <laughs> kick it left so that it would swing back in. Dewey followed the man's advice, who was rumored to be the coach whisperer's brother, and it paid off. <laughs> <laughs> Nailing the sideline conversion with his right foot on a left-footed kicker side, absolute precision. Did you catch this, by the way, Miles? I I did, I did. Um, oh, uh, it's. Uh, I, I was about to say, is it was it a, a Tigers fan? Are we, are we certain about that, or was it some ironic advice that uh, 
Dewey took and uh, and happened to get right. Random rivers and I'm almost certain there was a random, random Rabbitohs fan and it was mighty fine banter. Uh, Miles, you're capable of mighty fine banter, but what was your best <laughs> moment of the round? Well, the, the Warriors are starting to become capable of mighty fine football of late, um, mm. in particular their calling card of, I reckon, their best years. And the, the 2000s has been ad-lib football. And it was good to see a bit of that again on the weekends, make make a bit of a return in Chanel Harris Tavita's try against the Eels. So that that's that's my moment of the round. But to to be honest, you could have picked a few moments from that game. So that was uh, just one that I quite enjoyed. Yeah, I, I I didn't actually see that game live, and I heard um you know you guys chatting on the on the real sports thing about oh try of the year, try of the year, and I didn't. I didn't know when they were going to score because I went back and watched the highlights and I kept watching being like, okay, this is where they score. Oh no, this is where they, this, this must, this must be, now this, this, this. And then it was that. (laughs) Uh, Incredible try. And and it was definitely a throwback to the Warriors. The worst moment for me, and I'm a bleeding heart, the worst moment award goes to uh, the Bulldogs. Just having to see them go down again. I, I, I really feel like there's a lot of players trying their guts out like let's like Lachlan Lewis for example uh scored a try made 34 tackles only missed one uh kicked for half a kilometer and forced three dropouts in a losing team the poor guy he's he's absolutely trying his best and uh and my heart breaks for the Bulldogs players who uh because of rostering issues you know they found themselves in this situation and hopefully the club can turn that around uh Miles what is your worst moment of the round my worst moment was uh, Russell Packer and Josh Reynolds abandoning their team before they made a big comeback. And it, it, look, it's no secret whatsoever why these two are so hated among Tigers fans and not least for their ridiculous contracts. So look, the, the upside to this, sure, the only upside to this as well is that it, it seems to become clearer week by week almost too that the Tigers absolutely do not want back for next year given the culture that michael mcguire is so painstakingly attempting to construct yeah good call uh, without digressing too far one thing i remember very specifically i was playing like just z grade indoor cricket for for a mate's team <laughs> one night and um uh, he left early because he had to get to cold rock ice creamery to get his girlfriend Whoa. some ice cream because she was at home <laughs> and didn't want to go out and get it so he left early we were going to lose anyway Nice. And then, lo and behold, me and a mate hit like 48 of the last four overs in indoor cricket to, to win the game on the last ball. And the oh. captain wasn't there to see it. So, oh, and did, weren't we filthy, you know? And, and that was only just like amateur Z grade stuff. Like, can you imagine, you know, like professional rugby league and having it's that job. victory? <laughs> yeah, they're getting paid to be there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, good call, good call. Kieran, what was your worst moment? I had the, the Russell Packer and uh, Josh Reynolds moment as well, and, and I can add a bit of sentiment to, to that as well. I remember when I played rugby league for Valleys in Toowoomba, and um, we had a bit of a hooker rotation um, problem. We had about three or four hookers on our team, and I remember one one game, um, the second-best hooker on our side uh, was told that he'd be starting from the bench. So he played about 20 minutes, got on for 20 minutes of the first half, and then he was told, look, you'll play the last 20 of the second half again. Um, and he just gave up. He just said, oh, look, if I'm not going to play the whole game, I'm kind of sick of this. And he, and he went home. And, and our whole team, we were filthy at it. And I heard uh, Luke Brooks come out and say that it didn't really bother him that much. And I was like, really? Like, I don't know. It, it kind of showed to me that there, there should be that togetherness as, as a team. And, and you should want your teammates to be there to support you. And I heard they went home because they, they, they felt cold. They were a bit too cold. Uh, so they wanted to go home and warm up, and it's just the whole thing uh, just kind of, yeah, it just disgusts you. I don't know how you can call yourself a professional athlete if you can't sit through 80 minutes of football and in a bit of cold weather. Shout out to my uh, my indoor cricket captain uh, our, in our rep team, Justin. Uh, we call him J-Mac. He came out to Toowoomba. Uh, with us on Saturday night. He was injured. He didn't play himself. Uh, Twin was about hour and a half, two-hour drive from where we live. He came out just to watch, just because that was the right thing to do, even though he's injured. So uh, good on him. And that's, that's the kind of team culture that you want to see from your leaders, not leaving at half time. So good call, gentlemen. 
Let's go to the more positive news, the MVP of the round. Mine's Kalen Ponga. I, I don't feel like I need to add too much to that. Kieran, who's your MVP? Uh, I had Adam do it here. I won't add too much, but he, he scored the, the match-leveling try and then he um, kicked the, the match-winning goal uh, with five from six from the boot. And as we said, that a few sideline conversions and they, they won by two points in it. He was brilliant. Two tries, um, six tackle breaks. Awesome performance. He, he was sensational. Uh, Miles, who was your MVP? Well, again, I won't speak for too long because uh, his performance stands on its own two feet and that's uh, David Nofaluma hat-trick and obviously the Tigers wouldn't have won without him and truth be told they probably wouldn't have won too many games at all without Noffa this year <laughs> that's a very good point I have I dead set assume you guys would also pick Kalen Ponga that's why I didn't say much but uh <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I will I will just speak to the fact that he scored three tries uh 15 tackle breaks for over 200 meters made he was he was exceptional and all the while getting bashed uh, a good friend of the podcast Daniel Friend uh, who the Knights fan was very vocal about that in the group chat. I remember unsung heroes. Uh, another fullback for me, Dylan Edwards, uh, quite unsung, I would suggest, but he's been a tireless workhorse for his team as they've strung together an impressive run of form. And I feel like, uh, you know, Cleary gets a lot of plaudits, Coruscant, even Luai now, um, but Dylan Edwards, a pretty integral part of that spine. I would suggest miles. Who is your unsung hero? Well, I've gone for Adam Dewey, who was Kieran's MVP. Uh, I think he's been one of the, the most underappreciated Tigers uh, of this season. Uh, and, and despite how great he's been at fullback, uh, I think he was up there actually in terms of return meters in the league. So uh, he, he may have just sealed his, his move into the centers with his, his performance on the weekend. And uh, not to mention his, his game-winning goal-kicking as well. I mean, where's, where's that been all year for the Tigers? They've, they've tried about, I want to say, four or five kickers without going to Dewey. So it's... Uh, Seems to have come out of nowhere. Don't underestimate the Rabbitohs fan on the sideline, though. That was that was pivotal <laughs> advice. That's true. <laughs> Kieran, Kieran, who is your unsung hero? Um, it's not Dylan Edwards, but I have to give a, a shout out to him. As you said, uh, I had him as my man of the match in that game, and I was at the game, and yeah, he was just awesome. Every kick return, he made ten plus meters. Um, he's been awesome this year, and. Another great performance. I had Josh McGuire, who has really gone to another level at the Cowboys, in my opinion. Um, and I believe due to the Cowboys' form and having Tamalolo, McGuire's form has flown under the radar. On Sunday night, he ran for 223 metres. 103 of those were post-contact, and he made 36 tackles in another stellar, stellar performance that went a long way to the Cowboys' first win in 10 weeks. Josh McGuire's been doing it for a decade and um, I'd still think he'd be one of the first picks for Queensland as well. Like He's just absolutely the kind of person you want in that environment. Good call. Time for the Wildcard Awards, gents. And this week I have created a new award. It's the John Cena Award for coming out of nowhere. And it goes <laughs> to Chad Townsend, who blindsided Ponga with a move Cena would have been proud of during one of his wrestling bouts. Kieran, what is your wildcard award this week? I've got the the best impersonation impersonation of Boromir from Lord of the Rings, which goes to Caelan Ponga for his brilliant display despite continuously being brutally hit in the defensive battle. <laughs> Much like Boromir in Lord of the Rings, who bravely shouldered on fighting despite being struck with three arrows to the chest, Caelan Ponga just kept coming for three tries in an inspiring performance. I love how nerdy that is. That's fantastic. <laughs> Miles, what is what is your wildcard award this round? Uh, well, we, it seems that we've all gone for, for movie references. Yeah, well, I guess wrestling is not really a movie, although it is all, fake as all fuck, but uh, I digress. <laughs> uh, I've gone for um, the, the Billy Madison Award for what you just said was the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and it might be a little bit of hyperbole, but... Uh, Tigers chairman and, and no, I might add noted ambulance chaser Lee Hadjabantelis was uh, he noted that one of the, the keys to turning his shit show club around would be making the right signings as opposed to high priced flops that they'd boasted in years past but not days later the media was running stories about the Tigers about to supposedly make some double strike for 31 year old prop James Tamo and fullback to be Josh Adokar they say you're not stupid if you can diagnose your own stupidity, but despite doing that, the Tigers still seem to be making the same old bad signings of years past, guys. 
And look, and, and that's the thing. James Tarmel, uh is playing really well for the Panthers, but that's within a very, very good system. Um, the, I, at 31 years old, I think you're dead right. That's yeah, so is Ben uh, Madalena and Russell Packer. Oh, the Tigers, I award you zero points and may God have mercy <laughs> on your soul. It's time for the controversial take and I actually have come up with this one because I've heard a lot of chat around the ridges about uh, Anthony Griffin signing. And so basically Anthony Griffin has signed on to become the St. George Illawarra Dragons next permanent coach uh, starting next year. And there's been a lot of talk around the ridges that like... Uh, for example, my uncle, Uncle Wayne, he he's in the Cowboys call team up in up in Townsville, actually, on their local radio station, uh, and he posted on the internet saying he got sacked from the Broncos, he got sacked from the Panthers. I just don't get it. Well, I'm here to say that Anthony Griffin is an excellent choice to coach the Dragons, and I can back it up a little bit. One one thing, I actually really like that the Dragons are going from outside their boys' club uh, to, to pick a coach. It could have been very easy to pick a Trent Barrett-esque person to do this job. Um, and if Trent Barrett was offered that job uh, earlier, maybe at the same time as the Bulldogs, I reckon he would have jumped at the Dragons. But I think it's the right call to get someone from the outside to look at this club objectively. This club has underperformed for way too long. They have a... You know, when you look at their roster, particularly their forward pack, uh, when they're at full strength, they were they were pretty competitive, and they got a lot of experience at representative level in their halves as well. Um, you know, Cameron McInnes has gone to another level at lock as well. So I, I've I don't understand why this team is not only outside the eight, but getting beaten by teams like the Cowboys, who are under strength themselves. Uh, I don't understand what's happening there, and if you bring in uh, another old boy. The old boy wants what's best for the club, absolutely. But do they have the gumption to make a tough call to to get rid of uh, an assistant coach that's been a Dragons player his whole career or uh, a player that's played 150 games for his club? I don't know. But Anthony Griffin actually has a pretty good record as well. When he was sacked from the Panthers, uh, they were, I think, if memory serves, about fourth um, and heading into finals, uh, which of course that season became derailed quite quickly um, as Cameron Seraldo stepped in to be the coach, which I'm sure is not Cameron Seraldo's fault. I'm not sure why Phil Gould made that decision. Uh, apparently it was a, a personality dispute. Uh, apparently it was all to try and get Ivan Cleary there as quickly as possible. Um, and apparently that was to try and keep Nathan Cleary, which has which has proved to be a good decision. Anthony Griffin's just unlucky in that circumstance. So I think he's going to be a good choice for the Dragons. What say you, Miles? Well, look, I, I'm going to disagree with you, but only because you said excellent. So, look, uh, <laughs> okay. Griffin, I believe, he, he does have a track record of, of taking teams from outside the finals to, to into them which is, of course, good news for the Dragons, who have mathematically actually still in the finals hunt. So there is that. Um, and they, they clearly have a decent enough roster, as you sort of harped on there about both. So it'll certainly be interesting to see how Griffin lines his team up and if it's any different to largely what uh, the, the Dragons coach by committee has been doing of late. But, uh, look, I, I think the biggest question mark for me here is, and you, you sort of spoke to this a little bit uh, through your Uncle Wayne, is that, his act does seem to wear thin with teams, and it, it seems to happen pretty quickly. Uh, obviously, Phil Gould, we, we, we were all aware of the um, of Gould blasting Griffin for uh, being old school and, and, and the rest of it. And he, he, and I, I don't know whether that's right or not, because I've never, never been coached by Anthony Griffin, never even met the man. So, But uh, it, it does stand to reason that he has lasted four and three years, respectively, with the... Uh, Broncos and Panthers, uh, both of which, I, I might add, were more talented outfits than the Dragons team he is about to inherit. So, look, I, I think what will decide whether or not this is a good choice is whether he can make the hefty signings quick enough to turn it around quickly. Because if he can't, not only might the act wear pretty thin pretty soon, but without the requisite talent that those... Broncos teams had with with Darren Lockyer and, and and the Panthers teams had with with Maloney and, and Young Cleary, then 
it might actually get ugly pretty quickly. But if he can make a few of those signings and get a, a few nice players on board, then it, he might uh, just kind of catapult them into the top eight and give them a few runs at, at it like he did with the Broncos. When I, I believe they they made it just about maybe even a game away from the, the grand final at one stage with Hook. Yeah, you're quite right. Kieran, where do you fall on this side of the argument? Um, I kind of, um, not sitting on the fence, but I agree with both of you in the sense that I, I think it's an excellent signing, but I also think that to keep his position, he will have to bring in a few good signings. Um, you've got the Dragons, and they they don't really know if Ben Hunt's even staying or, or whether he's a half or a hooker yet. Um, yes, they have Lomax, who looks to be a, a future superstar, and Dufty, who both are brilliant, but their halves is a huge problem. Um, Frizzell is leaving um, so I, I definitely think that he is a brilliant coach to bring in, but I also I hope they give him the time to, to bring in those signings because I think he can do something um, really special with the Dragons um, in years to come. Uh, uh, remains to be seen, but he only left the Broncos in 2015 because of the incoming Wayne Bennett, who is, uh, some would argue, a lot would argue, um, the best coach of the, the modern era. And then he only left the Panthers, as you said, because of the incoming Ivan Cleary and that situation that you spoke about. Um, and both times, I think he was left in in an impossible situation where he would have he would have been unable to save his job as head coach, no matter what he did or how many games he won. Um, and both of those sides, the year after he left or a couple of years later, were and are now flying in the competition. With the Broncos losing a premiership a year later in the big dance, and the the Panthers well on their way now. Um, and as you said, you believe that they, they will win. Um, Griffin easily could have ended up in either of those positions himself if he, if he were still a coach of either side. Um, he had a 53% win record with the Broncos and a 58% win record with the Panthers, um, who were overdue on their five-year plan organized by Gus Gould. I know both of those records probably don't sound amazing, but um, if you check the records of most coaches there, usually around that or even lower, um, with the exceptions of Bellamy and Wayne Bennett. Um, in 2018, uh, we touched on that, but um, you said um, you think the Panthers were around fourth. I did the research. They actually, they were, oh, they finished fifth. So they, they but they were in first, I believe, at one stage of that 2018 season, I think halfway through and well on track for the minor premiership. And then all those ruptures came through that Griffin um, was kind of causing a lot of problems um, and management just didn't like him because of his personality. Um, I I would have really loved to have seen what Griffin could have done with that 2018 Panthers team if Cameron Serraldo didn't take over. Um, I do believe, given his track record, he will be a, a great appointment for the Dragons. And in the current market, he was, I believe, the best coach um, available all right, so that's uh, that's one and a half votes for Griffin being a good signing, and one, one and a half for uh, for it being uh, a challenge uh, for him. And and I do agree that it he might not be the kind of headline grabbing coach that would be able to grab those headline players, uh, but and that is that does seem essential. So yes, he will have some challenges, but I I do think it's a step in the right direction, and certainly from a a culture point of view. Um, in terms of looking outside their pre-existing box. So thank you for your thoughts, gentlemen. Let's head into the tips for round 18, our predictions. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Kieran, on the Thursday night game between the Tigers and the Rabbitohs. Um, so first, just to go through the team list, the Tigers are unchanged and Dan Gagai returns from a hamstring injury on the wing in place of Jackson Polo. Uh, Tavita Totola is out with uh, Liam Knight starting at prop and Jed Cartwright on the bench. The Rabbitohs fell just short at the hands of the Mighty Storm and could have won last week. That would have further impressed the competition all round as they press their claims for another title. The Tigers' brilliant comeback certainly didn't go unnoticed, and Harry Grant's move to lock for the last 15 of the minute of the game worked beautifully. However, the Tigers' season is hanging by a thread and then some, and the Bunnies can still push for a home finals match in week one of the finals. And with the superior forward pack that, at least in the first half, really took it to the storm, I believe the Bunnies will have too much. The Bunnies by less than 10 points. I think it'll be more than that. And one, one thing I said last week between we were talking about the seagulls and the tigers kieran and and one thing i yeah. mentioned was that this the previous six games the tigers had averaged 32 points against them and then again they conceded 32 points 
on the weekend. So that's still the same average for the last seven games. They were just good enough to hit 34 points, as it were, uh, with a late flourish. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty unimpressed by the Tigers. The Rabbitohs uh, were pretty gallant in defeat and, and had been impressive the, the previous couple of weeks. No Latrell Mitchell, but I, I think the Rabbitohs should get this done comfortably. Miles, what say you? Look, I'm I'm going for the Rabbitohs too in uh, probably more of a Kieran game than a, a bow game here, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised if it blew out, that's for sure. Yeah, it's been one of those sort of years where there, there have been a few blowouts, so you can never quite tell, um, but I'm tipping this one to be one. Uh, Miles, I'm not tipping this one to be one, though, the Bulldogs and the Seagulls. No, I, I agree with you, and uh, I think a lot of what has seen the Bulldogs play so well the last few weeks, unfortunately, has been the combination between Kieran Foran and Lachlan Lewis, which we touched on earlier. And unfortunately, with the 5-8 season now over, and career, who knows? Uh, it, it'll be tough to see the Bulldogs pulling this one off for me, uh, given how relatively unimpressive they've been without him in the lineup. So I am going to give an unconvincing tick to the Seagulls here. I'm going to give an unconvincing tip to the Bulldogs. Um, just the Seagulls are very up and down and they really should have got that job done against the Tigers. Very disappointing stuff from them. Um, the Bulldogs, you can't be accused of... Sorry, pardon me. They can't be accused of uh, lacking effort. So I'm going to go for the Bulldogs. Kieran, who are you going to go for? Uh, is Josh Schuster, however you pronounce his last name, Schuster, is he playing? He's out for the season. Uh, Cade oh. Custer's come back from the 5-8. <laughs> in that case, I'll I'll go with an unconvincing tip for the Bulldogs as well. He was impressive, wasn't he, Schuster? Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about him. Um, I'm going to take the next game, which is the Panthers and the Eels on Friday night. The previous battle of the West produced the only fixture the Panthers have lost this year. They went down 16-10, with the Eels scoring all those points in about a 10-minute period. The Eels have been well below their best, and frankly, it's their attack which has hurt them. I, I like Jay Field at six to partner Moses. Obviously, it, it would be better to have Dylan Brown, but it, it does soften the blow to have somebody with the attacking prowess of Field there. The Panthers are only stronger for the return of Isaiah Yeo, who comes back in at lock and allows for a nicer balance of that forward pack with Fisher-Harris moving back to the front row. But I believe in omens and can sense something from the Eels in this particular case, who will help out their Western brethren by dealing them a defeat to sharpen them up before finals. So, the Eels, for me, on this one. Miles, who have you got between the Panthers and the Eels? I've got the Panthers in this one. I'm really unconvinced by the Eels, and I don't see how they lose to the Panthers here unless there's just something in the Panthers' head when it comes to the Eels. All the rugby league gods of Messenger and, and, <laughs> and Beatson <Exactly. laughs> deciding. Uh, Kieran, who who have you got? Um, I I don't believe the Eels are premiership threats, and I I didn't at the beginning of the season, but I I kind of feel the same way as you. I I've got the Eels winning this one. I was I was at the Panthers Broncos game on Thursday night last week, and I I thought um, Nathan Cleary looked a bit flat. Um, I think Dan Kemp had him in his team of the week. Um, and I, I completely disagreed with that. I, I, I didn't think he he sort of lacks that spark that he usually has and that game dominance. Um, and I think in the, the local derby, the Eels will really be up for it. So I've got the Eels in an upset. Sometimes I think uh, Den and Kemp, and not just a single him out, a lot of people do it. They, they focus just on the stats. And if you look at the stats for Nathan Cleary in that game, I mean, he kicked for 600 meters or whatever the hell and probably set up a couple of tries. And, and he, he would have had a good game, but he hasn't been at his best best for a couple of weeks. So um, I do agree with you on that one. Kieran, let's see if I agree with you after you talk about the Dragons and the Raiders. For the Dragons, Cody Ramsey, who started the uh, NRL 9s, I believe it is, that's the format, um, in the preseason, makes his NRL debut on the wing in place of Michele Ravalawa, who's been brilliant this season. Paul Vaughan returns from suspension in an all-new front-new pairing with Kate Ellis, Josh Kerr, and Blake Lowry move to the bench, and Tyrell Fumi-Oenu drops out. Um, Ricky Stewart has named the same 17 that tackled the Roosters last week in a boost for the Green Machine. Sia Soliola is named among the reserves as he works his way back from a facial fracture. The Raiders have far too much attacking flair 
for the Dragons, who themselves do boast some brilliant attacking players. However, it is the lack of creativity in the halves that will hurt them here the most. Whilst it was a close-fought encounter in Canberra the first time these two sides played this year, I believe given the club's respective form, the Raiders will be too strong, needing the win to push for the top four. The Raiders by 10 or more. So Ramsey, is he's, uh, is he the one that had like, the longish hair that scored that really freakish but like controversial try in the nines? You, do you guys remember that? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one? Yeah, well, he looks like he's got something about him, so that could be interesting. Um However, the rate is by a thousand, I think. <laughs> Miles, uh, plus or minus a thousand? Um, I'm going to go 999, so that's, <laughs> on, that's the under, I believe. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's probably pretty good odds for that. Um, what odds do you give the Titans of beating the Broncos in, at the Gold Coast on Saturday afternoon? Uh, give the Titans great odds. Uh, I think... Uh, Despite the, the Broncos' relatively impressive showing the past few weeks, the, the Titans are now, without doubt, the more mature and settled of these two teams. So I think at home the Titans should win this one. And I think Justin Holbrook will, will certainly be, maybe even be more desperate for this win than any other, just to prove that his mantras have this team on the right track. Because uh, I think if they do, they're, they're certainly not going to lose to the Broncos. It almost makes them Big Brother if they do, um, which is fitting <laughs> because Big Brother was filmed on the Gold Coast, so that's something. Um, I'm going to go for the Titans as well. Kieran, who do you have? I've got the Titans in a, a definitely a, a closer contest than the first time these two played this year. Yeah, the Broncos have been improving, it's fair to say, but um, yeah, the Titans have looked really, really good, so hopefully they can get the win there. Um, I've got the last game on Saturday, which is between the Roosters and the Knights. Reports are that Adam O'Brien has rested his biggest star, possibly because the Sharks bashed him, so that's Kalen Ponga, as well as his best worker in Mitch Barnett and winger Heimel Hunt. It's a brave move, uh, Cotton. Let's uh, let's see if it pays off. Um, it's, it's a it's a brave. It's, sorry, just I was sort of riffing there out of nowhere. A um, little bit of little bit of dodgeball for you. Uh, brave move against the Roosters. Uh, who are getting all their troops back to full strength. So, uh, I don't know. It's got to be the Roosters for me, I, I must say. Miles, would you agree? I would agree. And to add a little bit of commentary onto what you said there, I would not be surprised if, this is a, a big-time Bellamy trick, if Adam O'Brien, and Trent Robinson, I might add, uh, if uh, Adam O'Brien was almost trying to hide what Ponga has to offer from the Roosters because they're every chance to uh, match up in the finals. So uh, I'm sure he'll be trying to uh, just keep the Roosters to what they have on tape rather than what they've actually seen against Ponga in, in real life. Oh, interesting. I do like that little conspiracy theory. Uh, first of all, do you like the conspiracy theory? And then who do you tip? Ah, I love the conspiracy theory. I think it's well reported the the kind of uh, research that Robinson does on on players and the the intellects that he has on the game. So I think that could be a a good shout. Um, I've got the Roosters in a landslide in this one without Ponga. And I assume you've got uh, the Cowboys in a landslide against the Storm with no Pappenhausen. Ah, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll get to that. Um, I might make my mind up on the fly, but we'll see. Um, we've got. Ryan Pappenhausen out with an, an Achilles injury, but the NRL Casualty Ward, um, I haven't checked uh, since we've started this pod, but there's been no report of how long he'll be out for. But uh, Nico Hines comes in and play will play fullback for him. Um, Suliasi Vunavalo is back from a broken jaw and replaces Isaac Lumilumi. He goes to the bench. Nelson Asafa-Solomona returns from a calf injury to fill the hole left by Christian Welch's suspension, which is... A bit of a farce, if you ask me. It was a, I'm pretty sure it was a crusher tackle against the Rabbitohs, and I I completely disagree with a lot of those crusher tackles, as dangerous as they are for a suspension. Um, and Riley Jacks is the new face on the bench with Chris Lewis omitted. Josh Henne has named the, la- the same 17 as last week, with Gavin Cooper listed to start and Tom Gilbert on the bench. Um, I do uh, like this Cowboys squad, and I think it's one of the, the stronger sides that we've fielded all season, but... Uh, yeah, even without Pappenhausen, I, I just think the, the Storm will be too strong and I've got them by, winning by 13 points or more. It's so bizarre to to say, 
like to hear you say that that's our strongest Cowboys squad with no Morgan, no Tamalolo. But I, I, I agree. Like it's like they 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 look actually really quite settled at the moment. Um, but yeah, no Storm, hundred percent. Um, <laughs> Miles, are you also going for the Storm? I am. I am going for the Storm. Oh, there we go. And you have the last game, which is between the Sharks and the Warriors. Yeah, it'll be interesting, I think, to see how far the, the Warriors' desperation for a final spot gets them in this game. They've certainly been the more impressive of the two teams the past few weeks. And, and to boot, I think the Sharks, uh, from what I hear, are missing both uh, the captain, Wade Graham, and also their halfback, Chad Townsend, obviously. So, look, I, I, I really do want to pick the Warriors here. But they've... For me, they've just not been quite good enough away from the Central Coast for me, me to favour them in this one. So, and I, I know they 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 did got to get that. Sorry, they they got it done against the the Knights up in Tamworth. So there is that. But look, I, I think when you add that, and, and also how good the Sharks were in their final or or pre-final last year against the Tigers, which had took on a bit of a similar. Uh, atmosphere to this game I, I think the Sharks will probably come good and, and win this one but uh, don't get me wrong I, I certainly want to see the Warriors win I'm going to let my sentiments take over my brain here I uh, and look I, I think it's actually in terms of application that we've seen on the park I don't think there's that much of a difference between the Sharks and the Warriors if anything you could say the Warriors are at least applying themselves more consistently and probably would not have been pasted 38-10 by the Knights last week so I am going to go for the Warriors I I really want to see them in the finals and I know it's a very slim chance but uh wouldn't it wouldn't that be a story like oh just like the 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 bleeding heart in me just wants to see it so Warriors for me Kieran, who do you have out of the Sharks and the Warriors? Um, I just to add a, a little bit of a backstory to this. I'm the the top of my tipping comp, and I, I think this is a real danger game where um, a few people around me could catch up. Um, I will probably go with my heart over my head. I I think the Sharks will really be up for this, though, given that they're right in that final spot. But the the Warriors could really um, take it from them if they win. Um, so I've got a close game, but I think the Warriors will just snatch it. Is that the reason that your tips sometimes change between recording and the weekend? You're just throwing little red herrings to all your tipping mates. <laughs> That's it, yeah. <laughs> oh, you devious, devious, cheeky man. <laughs> I don't know where you are. I think, I've, I think I've called you that twice in a row now, Kieran. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. Uh, time for bold predictions, uh, guys. Um, I'm going to start with one. If I do get a perfect round, which, as you guys know, is incredibly unlikely, the Broncos will be in 16th position at the end of this round. And that is my bold prediction. I think the Broncos will be in 16th position at the end of this round. Kieran, what is your bold prediction? Uh, mine's a bit long-winded, but I'll, I'll get through it. It's uh, Despite the Eels lacking points of late, I believe they'll really be up for their match this weekend. So I've gone in the Panthers versus Eels game. Neither side will score more than 12 points in the first half. And in the second half, I've got the same thing. I also believe neither side will score more than 12 points in a defensively resolute display. So the maximum full-time score will be 24 all. Okay, so... Neither team will score 12 points in either half. I like it. More than, yeah, yeah. Will not score more than 12 points in either half. Okay. All right. Okay, cool. That's, that's, it's, it's long winded, but, uh, but I I do like it. That's very specific. Yeah. (laughs) Goosebumps. It's, 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 it's sometimes I get like, you know, like I go watch a Martin Scorsese movie and then I go, wow, it's nice to watch a master at work. And sometimes I get that with you and your bold predictions. So, <laughs> um, that's about the highest praise I've I can give you. I've got goosebumps myself. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like you just wonder how Scorsese feels when he's making a movie, right? Like he must, he must get goosebumps knowing how good it is. Um, I, I can only imagine it's the same for you with your bold predictions. Uh, unless... <laughs> Miles, you might be the uh, Quentin Tarantino of the group. What have you got? Well, I just want to dovetail on from that a little bit. I'm a big comedy fan, as as some of my friends would know. And I love when, and in particular, Bill Burr is, is, is known for this, when in the middle of the joke, the, the comedian just knows how damn funny they are and they just burst out laughing at their 
are an unmade as of yet joke. So that's uh, that's sort of like Kieran reeling off his uh, his bold predictions <laughs> as well. <laughs> anyway, um, we uh, we're all looking for two in a row here, uh, as it were. So uh, my uh, bold prediction is I'm going to uh, again dovetail on from last week's bold prediction and hitch my wagon to the Sonny Williams card again. But this this time, um, I'm going to say that he is going to have at least 50 metres and to boot three offloads in a Rooster's win. I think he'll uh, be probably privately embarrassed by how he was shown up uh, against the Raiders last week. And you kind of heard him making excuses for himself, you know, saying, oh, well, I've I've never played in the middle before and smiling and giggling. So I I think he'll be probably probably dirty on himself to turn that around. And and look, there's no, no way in hell I'm backing against that guy two weeks in a row. So... That's my ball prediction. 50 metres and three offloads. All right. In a Roosters win. I, uh, a Roosters win. I, I want to see all of these predictions happen. Uh, so <laughs> let's see if we can... Imagine that. Imagine if we get a trifecta again. People will start like people will start like you know in Michigan they'll be making cash out of out of just nowhere because they'll start betting on us. Uh, of Where course, it's not legal to gamble. Oh, there you go. Well, <laughs> well, they'll have to go through uh, the black market somehow, I suppose, or the uh, the illegal bookies, uh, which of course I do not endorse and uh, and encourage everyone to gamble responsibly. As we sign off from another episode of Up the Horizontal, thank you so much, Kieran and Miles, for your time. And as always, go Cowboys. Go the Cowboys. Go the Detroit Lions for our Michigan listeners. Ah, the Detroit Lions. Very nice. Go the Lions. Go the Lions. (laughs) Go the Lions. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Your regular panellists are Miles Steadman and Kieran Gibson. Our theme song is Tough Nut by Ryan Cross. I'm Bo Nicholson.